On July 2nd of 1982, a truck driver from California by the name of Larry Walters decided he was tired of his boring life. And here's what he had set up. He had gone to a military surplus store and he had bought eight or 45 eight-foot weather balloons that had not been used by uh, the military. He had gone to Sears and he had purchased a lawn chair and he packed himself a peanut butter sandwich, a six-pack of beer. He grabbed his BB gun and he sat down on a chair in the backyard that was attached to his truck. I want to show you a picture that his friends took that day while he had his friends with helium tanks begin to blow up these 45 weather balloons. Here was his plan. He was going to float up, he thought, maybe a couple thousand feet with these weather balloons. He was going to enjoy a six-pack of beer, eat his peanut butter sandwich. He was going to use these kind of water bottles that he had on the side of his bucket as ballast to direct him in the wind, and he hoped to float over the Mojave Desert for a few hours. And then when he was bored, he would shoot the balloons with the BB guns. He'd settle down, and his friends would come and get him. When they cut the straps that were holding him to his pickup truck in his backyard, uh, the chair he was in shot up instantly more than 2,000 feet in 10 seconds, and Larry drifted away. 45 minutes later... A TWA pilot landing at Los Angeles International Airport reported that there was a man in a chair with a rifle (laughs) who was floating around at 16,000 feet, more than three miles in the air, where the planes were landing and taking off from LAX. Larry managed to shoot a couple of the balloons so he could make his descent before he dropped his rifle in a burst of wind, his BB gun. He got most of the way down. He got hung up in some power lines. He knocked out power to a neighborhood for more than a day. And when he was finally able to get out of his chair, the SWAT team was waiting there to arrest him. And as he walked to the police car carrying his chair with him, go to the next picture, guys, a reporter caught up with him and asked him three questions. They said, Larry, um, Larry, were you scared? And he said, yes, he actually said more than yes, but since it's church, I won't say the first word that he said before yes, but he said, yes, I was scared. They said, would you ever do that again? He said, no. And they said, Larry, why'd you do it? And he said, I guess I just kind of got tired of sitting around. I just got tired of sitting around and wanted to do something else. We've been in a series all month long at Journey that now heads into February called Goals. And the purpose of this series is to help you discover God's purpose for your life. And here's the reason why there are too many Christians who go to church their entire life, but their spiritual life can be summed up this way. They just kind of sit around. They, they've been in church their entire life, but they just kind of sit around spiritually. They've not discovered who God created them to be. They've not discovered what God created them to do. They've not taken their grand trip yet to make an impact on the world. So every message in this series, today is the last one of this series, has been to help you have the goal of discovering God's purpose for your life so you can move spiritually. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. That's where we're going to be in our Bible study time trying to discover God's purpose for our will today. You might reach in your bulletin and pull out your notes so you can follow along or fire up your Journey Church International app so that everything on the screen will be in your handheld device if you are streaming with us online. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning from wherever you are. If you take a walk down the hallway of our church, you're going to see that our church has five core beliefs, five things, five directions where we believe we're supposed to move. We believe these are God's purpose for our church. One is spiritual growth because we believe every person has a next step. We think everyone in the world who is a Christian should be growing spiritually and looking for their next steps. We believe in generosity. We say it almost every weekend at the offering because we believe you cannot outgive God. We believe in community impact 
because we want to be a church for our community, not just in it. So yesterday was our first quarter serve day, and we had people all over our community serving and lending a helping hand. We believe in global impact because we believe that Christians are called to make a difference in the world. So we've adopted a village in Guatemala where we will pour about a quarter million dollars over last year and this year um, in building churches and bringing water projects and building schools and building playgrounds and creating sustainable living uh, practices for them. And we believe in sharing Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you have to show Jesus. It's just the way you work. If you know him, you're going to show him whether you're trying to or not. And as we try to discover God's purpose for our lives, we're going to discover that sharing Jesus is a big part of God's purpose for your life. And it's going to be the subject of our message today. How do we, as we pursue God's mission for our life, how do we share Jesus well. Acts chapter 4 is going to be our guidebook before we jump into Acts. We believe when the people of God study the word of God, the spirit of God can do things in your heart to change your life. So would you just bow your heads and would you whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to your heart through his word? Tell him you're listening. Tell him you're willing to change if he'll show you some things that need changing. God, we believe when the word of God is read by the people of God, that the spirit of God has the ability to change us. If we will surrender and be open-handed and open-hearted. So let that happen today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Acts chapter 4 literally begins in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, two disciples of Jesus, were going to the temple to pray. As they were going to pray, they saw a beggar who asked them for money. They didn't have any money, but they did have Jesus. So they said, we don't have money, but what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And this man who'd been a a beggar, a lame beggar all of his life, stood up and walked into the temple with him. A crowd gathered around him because everyone used to pass by this guy who was now walking around in the temple. Peter began to explain to people, yeah, that is the guy who was the beggar, but Jesus healed him and Jesus could heal you too. And the rulers of Israel who had told the disciples, stop talking about Jesus being able to help people, found out what they were doing and said, you can't talk about that, especially in the temple. And they put them in jail. In Acts chapter four, it's the next day. They're bringing them out of jail for their bail hearing. They're bringing them before the judge for the first time to say, hey, we got to stop this or we're going to keep you in jail forever. That's where we pick up the story in Acts four, verse five. We're going to read through verse 14. It says this, the next day, The rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame... And we're being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by uh, given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage... Of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. Each week, we've been looking into Scripture to learn about God. Each week we've been looking into scripture to learn about us and we've been trying to put those two things together and say, what is God's purpose for us? What can we learn? As we look into Acts chapter four, we see 
four things today in the history of Christianity that apply to us today. The first thing is this. Number one, time with Jesus changes people. I hope you see that in Acts chapter 4 as you read this story. I hope you see that time with Jesus changes people. In verse 13, Peter and John are speaking to the rulers of Israel. And we read this. When they, the rulers of Israel, saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary. If you have your pen or a pencil, you might circle, underline these words, unschooled and ordinary. When they saw they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished But they took note that they had been with Jesus. Time with Jesus changes people. Tomorrow, uh, I'll turn 41. It's my birthday. I was born in 1978. Tomorrow, I'll be 41, which means in 1993, I turned 15. That was the year that I learned that I was a redneck. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jeff Foxworthy, but in 1993, Jeff Foxworthy, a popular comedian, um, came out with an album called, You Know You're a Redneck If. And he had all these statements about what a redneck was. And as I listened to that for the first time, like 99% of them were true of me and my friends. And I thought, holy cow, I didn't know it before, but I guess... We are rednecks. Here's an instance of my redneck upbringing. My junior year of high school, between football and baseball season, we didn't have much to do in the winter. So I had a group of friends that started a club called the KBR Club. K-B-R. It stood for Kill Birds and Rats. And here's what the KBR Club would do on Friday and Saturday night. All my friends who had farms, who lived on farms and who were country boys... We'd get together, and they would ride around on their four-wheelers. They'd take mag flashlights around their 410 shotguns. They'd go into the hog barns where there were these rats the size of small dogs because they ate the hog slop every day, and they would kind of force them out, and they would just blow them to pieces. And then after they were done with with that, they would go to the hay barn where all the pigeons had decided to winter, and they would spotlight them with their flashlight, and they would kill the pigeons. And they were like, Christian, one night they were, hey, hey, do you want to come along to the KBR club? I said, sure, I'd love to come along to the KBR club. They would also sneak their dad's chewing tobacco, so we would chew tobacco while we killed things. Um, Here's what I learned being a part of the KBR club. One, chewing tobacco gives me a headache. I didn't like that very much. I got a very weak system. Two, watching rats explode is disgusting. I didn't care for that either. And shooting birds just seemed cruel to me. So like I I went once and I thought, maybe I'm not as much of a redneck as you are. Uh, I don't think I want to do that anymore. But that's, that's how I grew up. That's what we were. We were unschooled ordinary men. When the rulers of Israel call Peter and John unschooled ordinary men, you need to understand this has the same meaning as the phrase dumb rednecks. It says when they looked at Peter and John, they thought these dumb rednecks sure are bold. The words found in Greek literature mean uneducated. They mean ignorant. They mean culturally backwoods. They refer to people who have not been formally educated. They refer to people who are not from culturally relevant cities. They refer to the rednecks of the world. And as Peter and John stood before the Supreme Court of Israel, they were fearless And they took note. They said, these dumb rednecks sure are courageous. It's interesting. The rulers of Israel were not impressed with their lesson. They didn't say, maybe we should listen. Maybe they're right. But they were impacted by their life. They didn't believe anything they said about Jesus. They weren't buying it. They weren't interested in it. 
They weren't impressed with the sermon that Peter and John gave, but they were impacted by their life. They said, man, these people, because they've spent time with Jesus, man, their life is impressive. Time with Jesus changes people. And you need to understand the first step of sharing Jesus, which is one of God's purposes for your life, is spending enough time with him to have some of Jesus. The first step of having or sharing Jesus is having Jesus. You cannot share what you do not have. And most people are not willing to share what they don't have more than enough of. So did did you last week Spend so much time with Jesus that you have more than enough of him so that someone else can have your leftovers and it would impact them? Most people can't share what they don't have. Most people won't share what they don't have more than enough of. So if we want to be a people who is known for sharing Jesus, we have to have some Jesus. That's why I gave you 19 spiritual commitments to consider this year to pursue Jesus so you could have some Jesus this year. It's why last week we talked about giving God some territory in your life, giving God some territory in your life, giving him more ground in your heart so you could have some Jesus. You can't share him unless you have him. You won't share him unless you have more than enough of him, enough to share with others. Time with Jesus changes people. But we also see today that time with people who know Jesus changes people. Time with Jesus changes people, but time with people who know Jesus changes people. That means this. Time with Jesus will change you. But if you know Jesus, time with you should change others. Y'all see how that works? Time with Jesus should change you. But if you know Jesus, time with you should change others. Let's go back to the beginning of this miracle in Acts chapter 3. Here's how it started out in Acts 3, 1 through 3. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, faces the Mount of Olives, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Can, can you picture the story? Have you ever had this happen? Right? We've, seen, we've seen this man standing on the street corner with a cardboard sign. We've seen this man sitting in urban areas, you know, shaking the cup with coins. We, we can see this in our head. Right? So do you see Peter and John? They see him. They know he's coming. Maybe they start checking their pockets, seeing if they have any change, seeing if they have any ones or fives, seeing if anyone has anything that they have that can help him. And he asks him for money. And they check their wallets and they say, we don't have anything. But then they check their heart and they say, actually, we do have something. We don't have any money, but we do have Jesus. And we have enough Jesus to share with you by faith in him, get up and walk. And he did. He walked into the temple. And then he became the sermon illustration because everyone, Peter and John weren't going to preach. They were going to pray. But their interaction with somebody who needed help gave them an opportunity to show people Jesus and to share Jesus. So people came up to them asking, is that him? And they were like, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy who was lame. And they say, what happened to him? They say, Jesus healed him. We had so much of Jesus this morning, we were able to share some, and Jesus healed him. This man became the sermon illustration that got them thrown into jail. Now, here's what I find interesting in the story. We don't read that the man was thrown into jail with Peter and John. We do read at their bail hearing that he was there with them. So he either was thrown into jail with them 
or he came back to speak on their behalf. One way or the other, he is there in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John are saying, this is who Jesus is and here's what Jesus done. In Acts 4.14, it says, they, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there wasn't anything that they could say. Time with Jesus will change you. But if you know Jesus, time with you should change others. So there's two questions we have to ask here if we want to apply Acts chapter 4 to our situation. Key question number one is this. Who's been healed simply because their life crossed paths with you? Who's been healed? For those of you who are followers of Jesus, for those of you who spend time with Jesus, who's been healed simply because their life crossed paths with your life? I don't know about you. I believe in divine appointments. I believe God sets things in motion to allow us to have impact on people we cross paths with, like in Acts chapter 3. I believe in divine friendships. I believe God brings people into our life from the earliest age so that we can get to know them and have spiritual impact on them. I believe in divine placement. I believe God lets us move to where we move, work where we work, have our kids go to school where they go to school, have our kids in the activities that they're involved in because he wants to place us in a place to have, to have a purpose on people. I believe all those things, and I can give you dozens of cases in my life where God has brought somebody into my life to impact me, or God has allowed me to cross paths with someone to impact them. Time with Jesus will change you, but the change isn't just for you. It's for somebody else that maybe you're walking by every day, just doing life. For some of you parents, it might be your kids. Time with Jesus will change you, but because your kids are in your household, it should change them. Maybe it's for your spouse. Time with Jesus will change you, but being married to you should change someone else positively. Maybe it's your boss or your employees. Time with Jesus will change you, but because of where you work, it's actually going to change others in the organization that you're in. Time, time with Jesus will change you, but because of the neighborhood that you live in, your time with Jesus should actually rub off on your neighbors as well, or maybe your students if you're a teacher, or maybe your players if you're a coach. Time with Jesus will change you, but time with you should change others if you spend time with Jesus, which leads to key question number two. Maybe you couldn't answer number one. You should be able to answer number two. Whose life has crossed paths with yours because they need to be healed? You see, I can't think of anyone in my past who just because they worked where I work, who just because they went to school where I went to school, who just because they live in our house has been healed. But as I look around now, yes, there are people who are hurting in my life. Now, most of us will say, I don't know anyone in my life who's specifically looking for Jesus. Listen, rarely are people looking for Jesus, but almost always people are looking for help. Rarely are people looking for Jesus. You won't have very many tell me about your Jesus conversations. But almost always hurting people are looking for help. And if you will give them Jesus, they will get help too. Look at verses 3 through 6 in Acts chapter 3. This man wasn't looking for Jesus. He was looking for help when he saw Peter. And John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. This man wasn't looking for Jesus, but he was looking for help. 
And in finding Jesus, he found the help that he needed too. What we need to understand is everybody's looking for something. And if we point them to Jesus, they will also find the most valuable things they're looking for. Everybody's looking for love. If we will point them to Jesus, they will find that. So many people are looking for healing. If we will point them to Jesus, they will find that. So many people are looking for hope. If we will point them to Jesus, they will also find hope. So many people in our lives need a second chance. If we will point them to Jesus, they will find that. So many people in our world are looking for security that helps them sleep at night. If we will just point them to Jesus, they can find that. So many people we know are trying to figure out their identity. Who am I? If we will point them to Jesus, they will find out they are someone who is so loved that the God of the universe would be willing to die for them. So many people are looking for validation of their importance. Does anyone care about me? If we will point them to Jesus, they will find whatever else they are looking for. And you might, like me, be thinking, I have somebody in my life like that. But I'll be honest, I don't have the courage and boldness of Peter and John. Like I have someone who needs help. I have someone who's hurting. I talked to someone this week who said I need help. But I really don't have the courage of Peter and John to just tell them about Jesus. What do I do? Well, you need to understand this, number three, about today's text. Healing comes from hearing about salvation in the name of Jesus. So you can help someone where they're hurting, but you can't ultimately help someone until you point them to Jesus. Healing comes from hearing about salvation In the name of Jesus. Look at what Peter said in Acts 4.12. This is a verse that every Christian should have underlined in their Bible. Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The word salvation means rescue. The word salvation means help. The word salvation means healing. Salvation only comes through Jesus. And listen, if you are willing and you are able and you are courageous enough like the Apostle Peter to open your mouth and tell people about Jesus, do it. We need people like that. But you don't have to be like the Apostle Peter to be effective. You might be more like his brother, Andrew. Peter, as we know from scripture, was a bold speaker. His brother, Andrew, was a bold bringer. This week, I asked my staff team if they could just kind of in a pop quiz format, if they could name all 12 disciples. Most Christians cannot, off the top of their head, name all 12 disciples if they just write them down. I think it's going to be a small group challenge this week. So in your small groups, you might try it. Don't cheat and study first and act like you're more spiritual than everyone else. But this week in small groups, you might have a chance to name all 12 disciples. You're probably going to leave some out. One of the ones you will probably leave out, half of our staff team did, was Andrew. He's not really a big deal in scripture. You don't see him a lot, but when you do see him three times, he's doing big things. You say, what is he doing? He's bringing people to Jesus every time you see him. Andrew was actually one of the first two disciples that Jesus called. And we read in John chapter one, Andrew's first act as a follower of Jesus was this. He says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew wouldn't be the bold mouthpiece of the New Testament, but he would bring that person to Jesus, and he would be the bold mouthpiece of the New Testament. When Jesus had a crowd of 10,000 people who'd been following him for three days without food and water, 
And he knew that his disciples needed to take care of him. And he said, find these people something to eat. Everyone scrambled, tried to figure out what to do except for Andrew. And Andrew brought someone to Jesus. We read in John chapter 6 that while everyone else was trying to scrounge up some food, that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Andrew said, I see a problem. I see Jesus. I'm not sure how these two go together, but I believe if I can get the problem to Jesus, Jesus will figure it out. Some of you have a problem. Some of you have a person in your life with a problem that's as big as feeding 10,000, 15,000 people all at once without food. But if you've got Jesus and you can bring that person's problem to Jesus, Jesus can figure that out. And then we see Andrew in John chapter 12 closing the deal for Philip. Philip had some friends who wanted to meet Jesus, but he was afraid to bring him. So he told Andrew and Andrew did it. It says there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida and Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, We'd like to see Jesus. Instead of telling Jesus, Philip told Andrew. And then Andrew went and told Jesus. Andrew was a bold bringer. We never hear him preach a sermon. We never hear him tell someone about Jesus. We don't hear any of his words. We only see his actions. But every time we see Andrew, Andrew is taking who he's with to Jesus and saying, Here, Jesus, help them. Healing comes from hearing about salvation in the name of Jesus. And all of us always have the chance to tell people. And we should. As often as we are presented with the opportunity, we should try to muster the courage and tell them. But sometimes, all you have to do is bring them. And next weekend at our church is one of those times. We're having a weekend next weekend that we call Best Day Ever Weekend with Clayton King. Every now and then, God puts somebody on planet Earth who, like the Apostle Peter, has a boldness and a courage and an ability to talk to people who are hurting and need Jesus better than most people in the world. Clayton is one of those people. He goes all over the world telling people about Jesus. Clayton is the guy that you bring when the bases are loaded and you need someone to drive in the runs. Clayton will get the job done. And if you have anyone in your life who's hurting, don't think about who needs Jesus. Just think about who's hurting. They need Jesus. If you have anyone in your life who's hurting, Next weekend is the weekend like Andrew to say, hey, I want you to come to church with me. There's a guy coming who's a pastor in South Carolina who I think can really bring healing to your life. We've not done a best day ever weekend in two and a half years because we've been in a building that we know will not hold all your friends and we don't want to turn them away. But with Summit Lakes Middle School opening, we believe we have enough seats now for everyone in our church to be able to bring one person with them, one family with them, who might need some healing so they can hear about Jesus, that is next weekend. I would love you to be like Andrew. I would love somebody's story next Sunday afternoon, next Monday morning when they go to work, to be that somebody has found Jesus because John 142 happened, you brought them to Jesus. Somebody found Jesus because you brought them to Jesus. By just being a bringer, not even being a teller, just being a bringer. They heard about Jesus and their life was changed forever. Or maybe next weekend is the weekend not to bring somebody to Jesus, but to bring somebody back to Jesus. You know, every Christian knows another Christian who's away from God right now. I mean, all of us do. You could write down their names right now if I ask you to. Every Christian knows a Christian that for some reason has walked away from God and they're not doing well right now. Those people 
are as important to bring back to Jesus as people who have never been to Jesus are to be brought to him the first time. James, the little brother of Jesus, said it this way in James 5, 19 and 20. He said, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and they'll cover over a multitude of sins. You, you can have a part in seeing someone's life change just by being a bringer. You can have a part of changing someone's eternal destiny just by being a bringer. You can have a part of helping a wandering soul find their way back just by being a bringer. So get moving. Remember Larry? Larry, why did you inflate 45 weather balloons and strap yourself to a chair and take off? I just kind of got tired of sitting around. 90%, according to surveys, 90% of all Christians will never share their faith or have spiritual impact on anyone outside of their immediate family. That means most Christians, most of their life, are just sitting around. Nine out of ten Christians will never have spiritual impact on anyone outside their immediate family. Let's not have that be said of our church. Let's not have that be said about us. You can be like Peter, open your mouth and tell them. You can be like Andrew, open your heart and invite them. Next weekend, I want to challenge you, be a bold bringer. Don't come alone. Time with Jesus changes people. And if you have spent time with Jesus, time with you should change people. But healing, complete healing, only comes about hearing about the salvation that Jesus offers. And when people have that, they have everything else they need as well.